Hey, I'm Sean and welcome back to the podcast. So over the past few episodes, we've dug in on what I call the AAA multiplier. This is a very simple formula I created, which basically explores the different factors that come into what you're gonna get out of any endeavor that you run to. So this is based around the concept of a real estate business, but really this applies to your health, your energy, the, your life, anything that you wanna put into this, this really is an easy way to reflect on it. And um, in case you didn't listen to the first podcast or you haven't read the blogs, the formula itself is, it's dead simple. It's basically just looking at what goes in to you getting something out of any endeavor. So the level of achievement that you have, the outcome is gonna be the multiple of the action that you take, right? Like the doing that you do multiplied by the level of ability that you put to it. This makes a huge difference and people overlook this all the time. You know, they, they just focus on shoveling snow and they didn't think about figuring out that they could have gotten a snowblower or something that would just make it so much easier. And the last part of the equation, so again, the level of achievement that you have is the level of your abilities by the level of action that you take. I reversed it there, but it's the same concept, right? To the power of the environment that you're in. And today's the last one I'm doing on this little, little trip I've taken everybody on. We're gonna talk about your environment. And specifically, what I'm gonna dig in on is five things. Five things that really are going to either prop you up and shoot you forward, or they can just drag you back. You know, in coaching, when we start working with someone, they want all the surface level stuff. Right, so we'll have someone start coaching with us and we'll, we'll do all the stuff that you would think a real estate coach would do. We help them put together a business plan. We help them work out the financial side of the, the business. We help them talk about the next steps they need to get where they're going. Usually there's a couple key things that they really need, like they need accountability or they've got to get uh, an assistant in place and they need better management of their time. Like We put in these basic building blocks but what's funny is that you can have the best plan in the world and you can show up every day, but if there's little things chipping away at you being able to actually do it at the level that your capabilities are, you might not get much from it. And so a lot of the time what happens is we start out, we put all these, these plans in place, but then throughout the course of the relationship, what we end up doing is finding all the little things that are getting in the way. And what I wanna to do today is just kinda of dig in on five of the environment-driven things that I see holding people back the most, okay? So we're gonna go through a top five list. I'm gonna get real with you just out at the beginning. I'm not gonna pull any punches, so I'm sorry if this uh, offends anybody. I, I, I'm gonna be just really real about it because I see this affecting people and I'd rather just own it and say it as opposed to trying to act like, you know, oh, well, people don't have a choice. The reality is you can either be the victim of your circumstance or you can be the architect of your destiny. One of my favorite Tony quotes. And if the environment that you put yourself in every single day isn't helping you thrive and, and live the life that you want to live, then you should change that. You should change that. Okay. So, I'm gonna go from least impactful to most impactful, and the number five is your friends. And I 
instantly would assume some people are like, what are you talking about? Like, I love my buddies. I'm not going to give up on my friends. I'm not saying anyone should walk away from relationships. But there's a couple key things that I see a lot of people doing. First of all, um, having a lot of topical relationships seems good because a lot of people associate that with popularity and that's something that we all wanted back in high school, right? So um, more isn't necessarily better with friends. The truth is that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Like that is just an unfortunate fact. The, the majority of people when they hear this, <clears throat> they think that when people say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, it means that you should go entourage for rich people or for celebrities, or you should try to like hang out with the cool crowds that you're cool. And that's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is like, look at the people who you spend the majority of your time with. Is it a huge group of people that you're not really that close with? Or do you have a few key relationships? What are you doing with those key relationships? Like, are you hanging out and, you know, getting wasted or sitting on the couch and watching movies or are you going hiking or attending something that excites you? Do you share interests with the people who you're close to? And again, um, when you look at this, it's not to say that your dear old friends aren't incredibly valuable. Like those relationships are one of the greatest joys in life. But you have the opportunity to look at how you meter your time between the people you spend your, your time with. So if you're putting all your time into a relationship that you get value and you love that person, you want to be around them and you want to see them carry through their lives and all that stuff, that's great. But then maybe you should also look at, should I instead invest some more time with other people that I share interests with, that I'm excited about? Go pursue people who inspire you, people who give you energy. You never know where you're going to find people. And if you don't allow space for it, the finding might not happen, you know, and there's that classic principle, the Pareto principle, the 80, 20, uh, the 80, 20 rule, right? Like 80% of what you do only drives 20% of your results, but 20% of what you do drives 80% of your results. And it's the same with your friends. You don't need to spend a huge amount of time with people who inspire you and pump you up and, and make you want to be a better version of yourself to get a huge amount of benefit from them. So if, you look at the people who you surround yourself with, don't feel as though just because you've done something in the past, it's something that you need to continue doing. You can still have traditions and, and celebrations and be close to people without making it something that blocks you from bringing other relationships into your life. Okay, number four. The number four is your professional environment. And in the blog, I tell this funny story and I'm gonna tell it again because it just nailed this home for me. Your professional environment is the place that you show up, right? It's the place that you go to and you work. You spend a lot of time in this place. You know, if you go to an office every day or you, um, you've got like a, a, well, it's work with an office, you know, it's something that can, again, either give you energy, make you feel great and inspire you, or it can hold you back. So when I first got into real estate, right, I've told this story before. I was like 22 years old. I was a total kid. I had no clue what I was doing. I thought that the big brands, the Remax, the Century 21, the, uh, the Cobalt Bank or all that stuff, I thought it was all standardized. So I, I was like, okay, well, I'm getting into real estate. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'll be thorough. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to go speak to 10 brokers. 
So, and I was working with my brother, the two of us, we were, we were partners for a decade and a half. It was awesome. So we're these two kids would drive out to this brokerage and, and we go and we interview 10 brokers. So I met with Royal LePage. Um, if you're in the U S that's a Canadian brand, they're great. I, I met with Remax, really impressive office, great broker. I met with, um, a Coldwell banker. They had all this tech. I was super impressed. I, I met with Keller Williams. I met with a whole bunch of people and, uh, one office that I went to there it was on the main strip the great location and i walked in the door and instantly i was like whoa what is going on because everyone's office was just like beautiful right i go to all these offices and they're renovated beautiful tile big windows all the lighting's perfect they've got comfortable seats they offer you a coffee you're like all right yeah like i feel taken care of right so i walk into this one office and it's like the entrance there's like four different kinds of tiles because they kept, I guess they either renovated or things kept breaking and they just kept putting more tile down. But then because a lot of them were cracked, they, they put down one of those like, you know, the, the carpets. It's like just a black rubber mat with like felt on it or whatever to take boot, boot juice off in the wintertime. So it was all like covered in salt and mud. And it was ripped up around the corners because it was old. Like they didn't have one of those services that came in and changed. It was just like dirty and it lived there for like a hundred years. And the receptionist is like playing on her phone. She like looks up at us and she's like, hey, what's up? Um, we're here to have an interview with the broker. Want to meet the broker? Okay, awesome. You know, uh, go down. You can wait in the basement. So I'm expecting that there's going to be some meeting rooms or like a bullpen or something, you know, like more. I don't know what I was expecting at this point. But anyways, I go down in the basement and it's kind of like a storage room. It was like, oh man, I put it in the blog. I think his name was Melvin. When you're in that movie Office Space, the guy who they haven't paid in like three years and they try to get rid of him, but they don't want to tell him that he hasn't been getting paid because they don't want to have to pay him. So they just keep moving him to shittier and shittier offices. <laughs> so in the end, he's like in this basement hole with like fluorescent lights. It was like that. And there were all these chairs and tables and boxes stacked in the corner. And so we go into this basement and it's like really dark and the lights are flickering. I swear to God, lights are flickering, like old fluorescent light bulbs are flickering. I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? And then I get startled because I didn't realize there was someone down there, but like back in the dark corner, there's this old man like eating a sandwich at this, uh, this, and it was like a fold out picnic table. I was like, oh God, this is like the worst thing ever. What is going on here? Like, this is insane. Um, so we like sit awkwardly in the corner and the old man doesn't really respond. So we're just kind of like quiet. We're like, okay, I guess he's like the broker's dad or like he like is cleaning the place or something. It was like dark and depressing and kind of scary. Like I had the hair on my neck standing up. So anyways, old man finishes his sandwich, stands up, walks over with like mustard stain on the shirt. And he walks up and he's like, Hey, are you Sean? Yeah, I'm the broker. Welcome. And I was like, oh, you just could not get me out of there fast enough. And it, like, nothing against that person. And I don't, I'm not a fancy, shiny guy. Like I'm shooting this wearing jeans and a t-shirt, but at the same time, it was just so clear that if I ended up in an environment that wasn't uplifting, it didn't inspire me, it, it would have completely changed how I felt like myself, how I felt about myself, I should say. Can you, and like, aside from that, like, could you imagine bringing a client to that room to do a contract? So it's, it's the space that you're in, but then it's also like the people who are there. Think about it, right? So you're in an office like that. What kind of people are attracted to that? 
they're probably not, and this is again, I'm being super judgy, sorry, but I'm just gonna go with it, right? Uh, they're, they're probably not inspiring, hardworking, excited. They're probably like, yeah, whatever. I didn't even notice because I've been here for like 88 years and the office just eroded around me and I'm just like this lump in the basement too. And that's our office culture, right? Whereas where I ended up, like the team meetings would have like 70 people packed into the room. We'd be talking about listings and everyone was like super excited and asking questions and engaged. And, and the people are another aspect of the professional environment, right? Like it's not your friends, it's not people on your team, it's the other agents in the office. Like, are they showing up? Are they working really hard? What about your broker or manager or the person who, uh, you maybe in real estate, you don't necessarily report to this person, but in, it's someone who is kind of like there to help and, and make sure that you don't do anything goofy, right? So you've got this, this person who is the leader. What's that person like? These things are so important. There's the question if you are as an, an average or growing agent inside this organization, as you're coming up, are you going to be one of the average big fish or are you still going to be tiny? Where I ended up, I got up to a certain level, which was okay for like a 25-year-old, but it wasn't great. I mean, I wasn't a spec compared to the people in that office. The associates and the level of competition and the level of professionalism where I ended up was outstanding. It's inspiring. It makes you want to do well. So look at the environment that you're in every day. Does it make you feel great? Do you feel charged? Do you want to do more, be more, be better? Are you proud to take people there? Are you excited to see your, your broker or the other associates because you think they're amazing and inspiring people? Ask yourself that. Okay, go a layer deeper, right? What's, what's just past that is your personal workspace. And I remember another story. I was at my office and we had like, I don't know, like five, six teammates at the time. So it was like a small team. And we were in this little office together and uh, we all shared a stapler. <laughs> Guess what happened, right? So I'm like, I'm like rushed. I've got a contract I gotta run out the door with. I always like to staple my contracts. I don't like little clips flying around my car and just messing everything up. So I always stapled stuff. So I'm like looking for a stapler. I'm going through all these drawers. I remember just being like, this is so stupid. I have a business that's doing whatever, a million dollars a year and we all share a stapler. And then I got, I got the stapler and I had to find the staples. It was so dumb. So then I was like, what is this? This is insane. I, I just bought five staplers and it's not like I assigned them to people. I just threw them into the office. It's like, there you go, wild free. You know, like I'll at least be able to find one of you hopefully. And if I can, I'm buying five more because I just don't care. It's a $20 or $5 item. I'm just not gonna waste time looking for this. So look at your your office. How does it reward you to be in there? How does How does the space serve the little things that you do every day. Do you have the supplies you need? Like make yourself comfortable. You should want to be in that room. I love this room I've got. It, it's comfortable, it's well lit. I've got a standing desk, I've got a sitting desk, I've got a couch, like I'm, I'm, I love being in here. It's great. And every year I'm finding little things and making little changes because this is a space I spend a lot of time in and you probably do too. What about your car? What does it look like in the back seat? And I'm as guilty as anyone of having like, you know, bubbly water cans rattling around in the back of my car. And as a realtor, I always had 
stacks it's like crumples of paper that i had to go through because you know you got to shred it if it's got a name or a number on it so um yeah i mean like it's it's a balance but how often do you just clear your desk and pull all the little knickknacks off how often do you go through all the old paper and then what could you do to make your office an absolute pleasure to be in buy the nice coffee think about it you're leaving to go and grab starbucks whatever number of times a day or week why not just take that money and get a really nice coffee machine? You save time. It'll make you look forward to getting to the office for that treat. Find little things, the micro wins. Everyone focuses on these big, like, hey, what could I do this year, next year, whatever. What about the little things you could do for yourself today? What about the little things that you could insert in the middle of a lead generation block? Like, hey, you know, I'm three, two thirds of the way done. That's when I get to get up, go for a walk and have my nice espresso on my little machine that I bought myself. Make it a reward to be there. And then this is a big one, but what about ergonomics, right? Like is the way that your body interfaces with the, the seating and the desk and your, your mouse and your keyboard and are the, are the heights correct so that your neck's not getting screwed up? Like this stuff can just make you feel like garbage if you don't take the time to figure it out. I remember once, um, I was like, I'm a tall guy. So I, I remember once I took my desk and I always am crunched forward on the computer. It kills your neck. So I was like, this is, this is terrible. I need to lift my computer up. So I, I figured it made sense for my eyeballs to hit the middle of my screen. So I, I, I don't know, like I put something on my desk. It was like a box or something. It was pretty ghetto. So I put this thing on my desk and I put my eyes in the middle of my screen and a week goes by. I'm like, this is great. I'm not hunched forward. My neck was so much worse, I, I didn't understand it. So I just kept working, I got worse and worse. I'm like, what the hell? I raised up my screen, like I thought I was doing everything right. Why me? And uh, then Genius over here decided to Google it. Turns out your eyes are supposed to be level with the top of your screen, not the center. So I was craning my neck backwards, trying to see my screen all the time. And it was so easy to fix. So look at your desk, sit at your desk. Right? Are your knees level with your hips? Are your elbows just slightly above the, the tabletop? Like these little things make a huge difference when you spend as much time as you do at your desk. And hopefully you're doing at least three hours every day working on your clients, doing lead generation, caring for people. If that's the case, you know, you could really hurt yourself. And that sucks. So don't do it. So find ways to make your environment more comfortable, more rewarding, and make sure that the people you're around and the space that you're in, you, you work and live in, and you bring clients to, feels good. It's gonna make you feel good, baby. Okay, moving down the list, third from the bottom, <clears throat> and I'm gonna group this all under a category of partnerships. Partnerships, okay? So think about this, partnerships, could be your business partner, could be people who are on your team if you were in a team, so it's your teammates. It could be your coach, hopefully you have someone that's guiding you through setting your business up, or it could be a mentor, it could be someone who you check in with periodically, maybe your broker or something like that, right? And man, real estate's a lonely game, right? We spend so much energy trying to get things to happen, and a lot of the time it falls apart, and we get rejected every single day, so many times. Sales is tough, right? Yeah, sure. And the worst part with real estate is that even when it goes really, really, really well, 
you don't really have anything, anyone to celebrate with, right? Like you could maybe talk to your spouse, but if you are not married or it's not a, a conversation that you enjoy having with them, like who are you going to call when you have a $50,000 deal close? I had plenty of those in my career. You think I told my friends about those? You cannot. So it's, it's like you're, you're kind of lonely in the downtimes. You're lonely in the uptimes. And a lot of people, a lot of realtors for that reason, are really attracted to the idea of partnerships. It's a nat natural thing, right? Like, yeah, it makes sense. Hey, if we work together, maybe we'd prop each other up a little bit. And you could cover me when I'm away. We could high five when things are going well. Like, there's a lot of benefits to it. And it's really hard to keep on the rails for a long time. I was in a partnership for 15 years. I had an amazing business partner, my brother. I love the guy. What ended up happening is we just ended up slightly apart. And the way that I look at, when I look back on the whole thing, I think over the course of our entire business, we were like 97, 98% on board to have the same mission. What happens over 15 years? A lot of stuff, right? Like family, life that 3% compounds. After a while, we didn't want the same business. We were at odds with each other. It sucked. So we had to figure out how to peel it apart. And we were able to work a great, uh, a great setup out that both of us were really happy with. And I love the guy and everything's good. And at the same time, that was a best case scenario in a lot of instances. It's tough to find partners. It's tough to find teammates. So what do you do, right? People want to have someone help them. They want to have someone to work with. But a lot of the time they don't want to put the energy and time in up front to make sure that it's not just a, a, a solution to temporary pain instead of a win-win a, a alignment for long-term benefit. So first off, look at the mission. Like, What is it that if everything goes perfectly, you, you're hoping to achieve in your business, take partnership or solo out of it or teammates or coaches or mentors, take everything out of it. What's a mission that you have? And then if you're looking at anyone coming in, do they complement better and align with your mission or not? And be really careful with this. Um, another thing too is shared values, right? Like you could have two people who have the same mission, but they want it for different reasons and it could work but over time, if you don't share values, there's a really high probability that something could change that would make one of you no longer have that mission and you could be at odds. A, a perfect example of this is lifestyle versus money, right? Some people are in real estate because they want to make a ton of money and there is nothing wrong with that. If you want to have an abundance of money, that's awesome. You should go get it. Go for it. That's, that's part of the game and that's life, right? Like we're, I'm not at all shy about the fact that we should celebrate wanting to have more money. It's, it's a great thing. Money is a fantastic thing. And at the same time, if you're in business with an, another agent on your team or a partnership or your mentor, their values are entirely aligned to family and work-life balance you might not show up at the same level or something changes in their family or their life, they're going to completely shift away from maintaining even the money priority that maybe you have and you're going to be at odds and that sucks. Okay. Lastly, we spend a lot of time with the people that we're in business with, especially business partners and teammates. 
your coach and your mentors are, are a similar thing, but it's gonna just be a lesser degree of time because typically those are more intermittent conversations. But you spend a lot of time with these people. And so one of the things I always ask myself, and I've never read this in like a hiring book, but it's something that I just always kind of try to think when I'm getting into business with someone, I call it the road trip test. I'm like, if I'm gonna get into business and I'm gonna to talk to you every day, I'm gonna work with you every day, we're gonna have projects that we rely on each other on, I also just wanna know, like in my heart, do I think I would enjoy a five day road trip doing a lot of miles in a small car with this person? Like, could I sit shoulder to shoulder and shoot the breeze for five, six days? Sorry, but you know what? We, we need to both like each other and get results. Those two things need to be in balance. And if it's just results and we don't really like each other, it's not gonna work, so don't force it, okay? So the number one thing, number one thing, and I, I'm gonna just pause here. I can't remember, but I think I totally messed up these numbers. <laughs> so I'm gonna just go through them again. Um, it was five was your friends, four was your professional environment, Number three is your personal workspace. Number two is business partnerships, teams, coaches, mentors, all those people that you're, you're building it with. And your number one is your family. I told you I was not gonna pull any punches. And I just, I couldn't leave this out because I've seen this from the coach's perspective so many times. And I'm not saying that your family's wrong, but maybe real estate's wrong too. It could be one of those things where, you know, if you have a, a life arrangement and your family and your, your, your values in that unit, which is the most important thing that you have, don't align with the requirements of being successful in real estate, it will likely stop you from being successful. That is just a fact. Um, we see a lot of the time like people's partners don't support them taking risk. This is a risky business. If you are gonna be at odds in your partnership because you wanna take risk, then that's a choice you need to look in the eye and, and say you're either comfortable with that or maybe not. I also like, uh, I also know that sometimes you just need to grind in real estate. I'm, I will shout from the mountains that I can help people and it's possible to build a multiple, multiple six-figure business, like five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar business without working more than 40 hours a week in real estate. I, I was working 25, 30 hours a week at our team's peak, doing a one and a half million dollars in sales every year. Like that is by any measure achievable in any market. If you're smart and you focus on the thing other than taking action inside that value equation I was, or that achievement equation I was talking about. And at the same time, I say average 40 hours a week. And that's because there's gonna be weeks where you work 25 hours, you do your lead gen, there's not a lot of appointments, you work your database, you clean up shop, and you go take some back for you. And there's also weeks where you work 80 hours because you have six deals that are closing this week and it's hay season, baby, let's go. So you need to have an arrangement where that's possible, you have that flexibility. And are you on the same mission with your partner? You know, I, I see sometimes people who just, it's kind of funny, they don't, they don't seem like they are, or they are in a relationship that drains them. We see this all the time, people who, you know, they, they want more, they're unhappy, they don't like what they're getting, and every 
you know, we have calls every week. Usually when we're coaching people one-on-one, it'll be every five, six weeks. It's like, I can't believe that this happened and I can't, I can't do this because of blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that this is an easy one to look at, but you only get one kick at, at this. And when I say this, it's like, that's your life. Make sure that you're making it a good one. Make it sure that someone you're celebrating with. I'm fortunate. I'm crazy about my wife. Like the, the two of us are absolutely so great together. And if we weren't, I wouldn't want her to stick with me. If, if we weren't giving each other energy and showing up, waking up every morning, excited to see them, I, I, I would want us to go find something different. So anyways, I, I promised I was going to get dark at the end. I'm, I don't want to finish there. Because you flip this on its side, you look at the, the friends you have, the professional environment that you show up to every day, you look at your desk and your office and your personal workspace, you look at your business partnerships and the people around you, and, and you look at the, the family and immediate like partnerships that you have that are the most important people you choose in your life. And if something's not perfect, that's awesome because it's an opportunity. So think about those areas of your life and just think about like, what's, what's the one area that if I made a, a big change would make all the other areas better? Usually it's a, it's an easier question to answer than you might think. What's one little thing I could do in each area that might just give me a little bit more of a boost and make me want to do more, want to have more, want to get more and feel better. The energy that you show up with and the, the feeling that you have, the confidence, all of these little things are a huge contributor to what you're going to get in life. So go make it great for yourself. You have the power to change all this stuff. Back to the quote that we were talking about in the beginning today. Like you can either be the architect of your dreams or the victim of your circumstance. Choose which one you want to be. And it doesn't have to be that you're going to tear the house apart today. It can just be a couple little things. But have this in your mind. And have it in mind in how you run your business, especially around work. Because that, that might be the thing that makes it easier for you to have a better family life if you tear the band-aid off somewhere else. So I hope that there was just one little nugget here that stood out to you. And as always, I'm so grateful for the time that you spent with me. Moving into the next few months, we're going into business planning mode. The time of year when I'm recording this is like late September, right? So we're moving into Q4 and in Q4 is when you start to look forward to the next year. Okay, so we're, we're advancing right now and I'm gonna help over the next few months, I'm gonna help you put together a whole bunch of pieces to your business plan and I'm going to go one by one. We're going to go really deep on how to do this at a high level and walking out of it by probably the end of the next month, month and a half, I'm going to have touched on a whole bunch of really powerful models that I use to figure out what I need to do in my business. So stay tuned. If you haven't already like, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything. And also if you know someone who get value from this, it would be a favor to me if you shared it with them. So please, Tell your friends if this is something that you think they might enjoy, they might get value from, and I'll keep dropping this as much as I can, and I'm grateful for your time. Thanks for listening.